Uh, so we're in this new series, and it is called Level Up, and it's about living life at a, at a next level. And our basis for this is the book of Acts. And if you know the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're about the life of Jesus. Uh, Acts is about the Acts of the Apostles. It's about how the church began. And there's probably never been a, an organization, an organism, a, a group of people that have changed the world more and change history more than this group of people. And it started out with just a few, 120 of them, and, and some amazing things happened. So we're looking at, at their lives and what happened there, and uh, we're figuring out what we as a church and what we as individuals, families, can learn from that in order to live our lives at a different level. And uh, so I'm glad you're here. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to somebody and tell them uh, the names of the neighbors who live around you, as many as you can think of, the names of the neighbors around you uh, where you live. Go. All right. You guys know a lot of your neighbors. That's good. Yeah. Some of you guys are extroverts. You just love some of your introverts. Okay. So how many people could name 20 of your neighbors? Really? You're in church. Tell the truth. 20. Really? How many people less than five? You're my people right there. Me and you. We're there together. Yeah. I've lived there 27 years. I can't tell you the people's names live next door to me. Well, they just moved in five years ago. But anyway, um, here's what is weird about human beings, is we were made in the image of God. God has existed in three persons all of eternity. God is about fellowship. God wants us to be about fellowship. It was put in us from the creation of humankind to want and need each other. And yet we so misunderstand, misuse, uh, wrongly try to address this. And so I want to talk about from uh, the, the uh, book of Acts, uh, just maybe one of the most famous passages ever about how the church began and the togetherness of it. Uh, but first, I want, to, I want to give you an illustration. I, I read a book by a guy named Trevin Wax. I think that's his name, if I remember right. Young guy, millennial guy. And it so affected me, I want to share some of his thoughts with you today. Because from a millennial perspective, in the uh, social media world we live in, we have even gotten this fellowship thing, this caring for one another, connecting thing, even worsely wrong. That's not a phrase, I know, but it, we're doing worse at what we should be doing good at, right? So here's what he says. He, he has an interesting thing. So he, he tells the story of three uh, teenage girls, average uh, teenage girls, uh, invited to this talk show, some famous host, I didn't know who it was, and uh, he was going to talk about the impact of social media on today's youth, all right? And he was going to interview them. And what's really interesting about it is they arrive, they go into the studio, and, they, and before the show starts, they meet him, and they immediately begin to take selfies, Kind of ironic, isn't it? And so, and then, uh, and, and, and one of them says, wow, that didn't look good. Let's do another one. So they get in and take their selfies, and they ignore the guy, and they all um, post them, right? They post the selfies, and then, um, and then they wait. And they're watching their phones. What are you waiting for? Oh, i got to get some likes. If I don't get three likes within the first two minutes, this is not good. And so they get some likes, and they all visibly are relieved they got likes. 
And then they're still watching their phones. So finally, she says, hey, what are you doing now? Oh, no, I need some comments. I've got, I got likes. It's good. Then I need comments. Like, like what kind of comments? Well, just one word is fine. Like gorgeous, beautiful, fun. I, I, I need some comments now. And so in his interview, he says to them, so what's that all about? What, what is that? What are you doing? And one girl said, well, it's about managing your brand. Thank you, Kim Kardashian. Um, so <clears throat> it's about managing your brand. It's about putting the right image out there and being liked by the right people. Because if you put your image out there and it's liked by the right people, you're doing good. If, it's, if you don't get likes and it's not the right people commenting, it's really bad. Aren't teenagers silly? Here's what's interesting. Because of how we were created, we were created to want to know and be known. We want to know and be known. We were created to do that. The problem is we have lost an understanding of what that means. And so we settle for lesser things that can never fill those deeper desires. So today I want to read a passage. It's a very famous passage about the beginning of the church. These people that turned the world upside down. And it's in Acts 2, and it begins in verse 42. And let me just read it. It's, on the, it's going to be on the screens. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. <clears throat> I don't know if you caught that, but there's a lot of togetherness going on there. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of togetherness going on there. Have you ever been on a family road trip and about the third day in you're thinking, this was not a great idea. I don't actually like my family. I mean, I've never thought that, but some of you, I'm sure have. As a church, we take a lot of trips around. We take missions trips and we take trips to Israel and different stuff. And if you want to get to know somebody, travel with them. <laughs> it's interesting. These guys were together a lot. Was that just a you know, that's kind of the way it was. Or was that a dynamic part of how they changed the world? They were practicing this deepest need and longing that we have to know and be known. Now, here's part of why we don't get this, because we misunderstand the word know. We think word has, uh, the word know has to do with knowing something, with purely intellectual grasping of something, right? We think that that's what it's about. And in that level, society has never been more advanced, if you think about it, I have on my Kindle more books than probably some of the greatest libraries of the ancient world, right? I have knowledge at my fingertips. You ever been sitting there, we're sitting there the other night, this actually happened just this week. We're saying, oh, how does that work? And I said, oh, I'll call somebody. I know them. I'll call them tomorrow. I'll ask them how it works. And, and when somebody at the table said, well, we could just look it up right now. And they looked it up on Wikipedia, and we immediately had the answer. You can get answers immediately. You ever, you ever done this? Like I did this this week, too. I, I looked up a musician that I remember from way back in the day and what they were doing now. And then I saw somebody else on that same website, that, 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 what they're doing. And, and, and I, I went down a rabbit hole for an hour. <laughs> Completely wasted an hour because there's just so, infor, so much information I could have. I could just have so much information. Right? The problem is, is we don't understand both the impact of the amount of information we can have and that there's something different between knowing about something and knowing something. Let's start with the first one. 
the amount of information. What's amazing is the amount of information we can have is overwhelming. It just is overwhelming. Let's just take, for example, news. We have so many news sources. Well, you can get your news from anywhere you want. And so it's like a waterfall. They will just dump news on you. You can get Russian news on the television now. You can get the BBC. You can get all kinds of uh, uh, internet outlets. And so what do you do? How do you boil this waterfall of information down to a trickle that you can actually ingest? You have to pick one. And how do we pick? And this is interesting. I'm not going to charge you for this. It's not really on topic. But this kid writing this book made a great point. I'm not going to charge you for it. It's free. But one of the things that we do is that we ingest what we already like. So take the political situation. How are you informed about the politics happening in America right now? Whether you're on the right or the left, doesn't matter. You have, picked, you have chosen an outlet that agrees with you. The only time he gets that quiet is when I talk about money <laughs> or politics. So what he, this author suggests, and he didn't have a viewpoint, uh, right or left, he was saying that what we do is we then we go to those things that agree with what we already think because it has this wonderful payout. It says, you're right. The problem is it might be saying right to something you're not right about. It could be saying, you're right to your prejudice. It might be saying, you're right to your outlook that's uninformed and purely selfish. But it's saying you're right, and we all love to know we're right. And so we just inculcate ourselves in what we already believe, and we're isolated from anybody else who could actually expand our vision or in any way help us grow in our understanding of the world. It's also true spiritually. If there's so much information available, Christian information, whatever, we begin to kind of hang out with people who think like we do. So there's certain people that are all about love and grace all the time, and they never want to talk about the fact that God has expectations for your life and intentions for your life. And then there's people here, they want to talk about the law and then, and then this hard stuff, and they forget all about the love and the grace, Right? A part of what we need to understand is we need to move beyond just knowing what we already know, and we need to move even beyond just knowing about things. So if I said to you, do you know about Chicago? You might know about Chicago. You might even be able to look it up on Wikipedia, find out that it was, it's a word that means smelly swamp because it was a smelly swamp at the end of Lake Michigan. When they found it, you might even hear about a lady who had a cow that was rowdy and kicked over land and burned down the city. You might know about all kinds of things. But I don't know about Chicago. I know Chicago. I grew up in Chicago. I can tell you, take you to the best steak in town, the best pizza in town, because I know it. There is a difference between knowing about and knowing See, I know my wife. You might know about my wife. I tell you stuff all the time about her. But you don't know her. I know her. So there is this thing that's happening in the second chapter of the book of Acts in which these believers, they are devoted to the disciples' teaching. What does devoted mean? It means it's the most important thing in their life at that point. They are singularly focused on knowing, but they're not just knowing about, so the disciples say, here's what Jesus taught about this, here's what Jesus taught about this, here's what Jesus taught about this, and they don't, but they don't just learn about Jesus, they then are living in the context, so when Jesus says, you got to love your neighbor, well, they're living so close together, loving your neighbor isn't a theory, <laughs> right? It's a reality. I've got to practice loving my neighbor, because I learned that's what Jesus said, I learned it, and now I got to know it, Right? 
You see, the powerful dynamic in the body of Christ is that we don't learn things just intellectually. Somebody tells you they're a Christian, but they don't hang out with other Christians. They don't go to church. They're not really a Christian because they're not learning it. They're only getting a head knowledge of it. They're only knowing about something. You've got to know it. And so these Christians are thrown together to learn about what Jesus taught, but then to know Jesus and to know each other and to practice what they're learning. So knowing and knowing about are two very different things. Um, so let me, let me just give you a little practical thing on that. That's why we do Rooted. That's why we do small groups. That's why we invite people to serve. It's because it's not just about knowing about God. It's about knowing God and knowing each other. It's about knowing what God teaches us and then practicing on each other. It, that's what it's about. That's why we do Rooted. That's why we force people into Rooted groups. Now, here's a, a second part to this. And the second part is this. It's knowing, which we've already identified isn't knowing about. It's knowing. And then being known. Being known. Why were those girls posting those selfies? Why do you post selfies? Why, why? Because you want to be known. It's in us. We all want to know and be known. My son was just saying this week, he said, we're all just like my kids. My kids are, hey, Daddy, look at this. Daddy, did you see me do that? Daddy, 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 look at, look at. We just do it on social media now. But we still need it. We want to be known. It's in us to want to be known. But the problem is we so misunderstand the idea of being known that we don't really want to be known. But so, so how many peop people take selfies here? Do we already take this survey? How many take selfies? How many? All right. All right. So no, the rest of you, really? Okay. See, now the only time I take selfies is when I'm at a really nice restaurant without my family and I want to make them jealous, which is, which is the same reason you take selfies on vacation. But anyway, um, so how many average pictures, how many pictures do you need to take before you find one you can post? Average. I had a guy in the first service said, one. I said, yeah, look at you. I could, yeah, I believe that. But anyway, <laughs> he's looking for another church now. But anyway, um, so you take several because what? Because you want to be known. No, because you want to be known better than you really are. It's called selective sharing. You don't get up in the morning and take a picture of yourself and put it out there, do you? Absolutely not. Because you don't really want to be known. You want people to have a, it's image management is what it is. You are, you are making yourself an online presence, but you are not being known. Here is the problem. We think that because a lot of people follow us or, or we have a lot of, we press a lot of people. By the way, we all post, um, um, blog, do all the stuff we do. Nobody gets in the morning and goes, I'm going to blog to make the world a better place today. Almost nobody does that. We blog to be known. So that people will know us, and maybe they'll know our, idea, our ideas or whatever it is. But it's to be known. But the problem is we don't, re the selective sharing doesn't allow us to be known. And so all the people that follow us and all this, all that, it's not really about being known. It's not about relationship at all. These people were together a lot. In Acts 2, they ate together. They worshiped together because they were being known. Here is the problem with being known, is it's scary. It is risky, is it not? To be known beyond just the glamorous pictures I post or, or you know, the stuff that makes me look better than I know myself to be, to truly be known is a scary thing. That's why Rooted is a scary thing. I'm going to tell you something, and if you sign up for Rooted, it's life-changing because we'll get past your, your image. 
The people in your group will get past your image because that's what it's designed to do. So you'll get real with some people because the only way to grow is to get real with people, is it not? Right? You're going to have a question to ask of you in the first three weeks. I guarantee you it makes you squirm a little bit. I mean, they're not, they're not obnoxious questions. They're actually pretty normal questions. But we're so abnormal in the way we try to relate to each other that a normal question scares us. We even talk about money one week in Rooted. It's quiet, just like that. <laughs> we were made to know, first of all, God, and be known by God. You see, we have somehow bought into knowing is the solution. More education is not. I'm not anti-education in any way. I just don't think it's the solution to everything. If we needed more information, more knowing, then Eve would have been in great shape. You see, the lie in the garden wasn't, hey, this is a better tasting fruit. It wasn't. It was, you will know and be like God. See, what was so special about Eve's life up to that point wasn't her knowledge. It was her relationship with God and with Adam. What got disrupted was her relationship with God and with Adam. And if we're going to return to the relationship we're supposed to have with God and each other, we're going to have to risk being known. And it's a scary thing. So unlike our online news feeds where we just look at the things that, that say you're right, you know what can happen at church in a community of believers or in a rooted group? Somebody might at some point say to you, I love you, but you are wrong. Are we allowed to say that still or is that hate speech? The people who have impacted my life the most are people who love me and told me I was wrong. One of my friends one time, and he was a new Christian, and, and there was this thing that happened, and some people mistreated me, and I was all wounded and hurt about it, and, and I sat down with him, and I was just fuming, and I was spewing, and I was, and finally he goes, what are you so mad about? And I said, well, these people, and I started reading, and he goes, no, 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 I understand what they did, but why are you so mad? You're not being very much like Jesus right now. What do you know? You're a new Christian. Just... Where'd you get that from? The Bible? Well, okay, you're right. By the way, that didn't happen last week. That happened 25 years ago. And the reason I remember is because he loved me enough to say, what are you doing? What are you doing? You see, we, we kind of surround ourselves with people who agree with us. Nobody ever challenges us. Nobody ever says, that's not very Christ-like. Yeah, yeah, they didn't do right, but your attitude, hmm. You see, the way to growth isn't for somebody always telling you you're right. Sure, that feels good, but you don't grow that way. You grow when somebody goes, I'm not sure you're looking at that right. I'm not sure, I'm not sure you're, you're behaving right. I have a friend who's in this room right now who said to me one time, I don't think you're treating your wife right. Who are you? It's my marriage. I'm your friend, and I love you, and you're not, you're not doing right. And I had to say, I think you're right. I didn't say it to him. I, I said it inside. <laughs> I don't want him getting in the habit of doing this, telling me the truth stuff. <laughs> so let's, can we bring that whole passage up again? I just want to bring that passage up again, and I want to walk through a couple of things. Because being known is about some very important things. They devoted themselves. It, it, just go ahead and bring that up. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That means that was so important to them. Your faith, your growth, your development has to be so important that it's on the front burner. Uh, and to fellowship so that it didn't just learn, they learned relationally. And to the breaking of bread and to prayer. By the way, you're going to read in the next section here that there were some amazing things happening. And I want to suggest to you, 
I am not, again, anti-education, anti-growth, any kind of stuff. I want to suggest to you, if we spent more time praying together as marriage, as couples, we'd have a lot fewer marriages breaking up. They were having bread and praying together. If you spent more time together as a congregation praying for our families, for our wayward children, for those who are hurting, we would probably see a lot more results than just sitting around trying to figure a four-step fix. Because they were together and they cared. Here is one of the problems. Here is one of the problems with allowing yourself to be known is that you might find that you care. As you know and you be known. Because it goes on, I won't go through the whole thing, but it goes on and says a couple of things. Since miraculous things happen, I think God would do more miraculous things if we spent more time in prayer together. And it says that they even sold their stuff if somebody had a need. Well, that's just radical. But here's what happens. We begin to be known, to know and be known. We might find out that we actually love somebody else enough and care enough about them that we'll give up a little bit of our stuff just to get them through a hard spot. That's what knowing and being known is about. I'm going to add one more. I didn't give this to the other services. Again, I'm not going to charge you extra for this. But one of the things that has been so powerful in my life, I don't know who taught it to me. I don't know where I got it. I apologize if it came from you. Um, But it was this. One of the values of being known is that it removes the possibility of a secret self. You see, we have the public self. That's me. I look pretty good today. Did my makeup? No, not the makeup. But anyway, um, but, you know, I put on a clean shirt. So I'm here. This is my public self. But people who hang out with me, staff, family, they know my private self. But here is the temptation. The society we live, especially with the Internet and all kinds of stuff, we can develop a secret self that nobody knows about. And the sins and the sicknesses reside in the secret self. And one of the powers of knowing and being known is one of my goals in life is to have no secret self. That there is somebody who knows, somebody knows everything about me. There is nothing that somebody doesn't know about. And I'm not encouraged by them or held accountable by them for every aspect of my life. This is a powerful thing. It's not an idea uh, that, well, let's try it. It is how God intended us to live. It is powerful. So here, here is my thing. I, I don't have time to, to do the rest of the stuff, um, but here is my bottom line on this deal. I believe that the early church was so powerful and they lived on another level because God was at work among them. They were committed to knowing and being known by God and by each other. And that their reason for being was not social action, although they made a huge difference, It wasn't just intellectual learning, although they learned a lot. And it wasn't even just their own character development. Their reason for being was to honor and follow Jesus. There is no greater reason, there is no greater glue that would hold us together than all of us devoting ourselves to honoring and knowing Jesus. And because of that, we're willing to know and be known and change ourselves, our society, our world. That's what we're called to do. That is living on another level. I'm going to invite the choir back up, and uh, I'm going to pray while they're coming. Lord, it's about you. We have read the self-help books. We have, we have seen the three easy steps to whatever. But in the end of the day, Lord God, to live our entire lives and every aspect of our lives differently, on a different level, it, is, it requires that we focus and begin with you. And so today we acknowledge that we, yes, need each other more than we're even allowing each other to contribute. We need each other, but more than that even, and the beginning place for that is that we need you. 
Lord, we need you in our lives. We need you every day. We need you to guide us, to direct us, to draw us close to you, to, yes, humble us, to make us willing to be vulnerable to you and to each other so that things can change. So, Lord God, we just ask right now that that if there's anybody here who doesn't know you, that this would be the moment they would realize that their life was intended to be lived on another level and that they would know that they need to be known by you. And Lord, I also pray that if there's anyone in this room today who has never involved themselves in a, in a small group or in a rooted group or in, in the kind of fellowship that would call them to account and would bring encouragement and would, would cause growth, Lord, I pray that today that they would sense their need to do that and they would sign up for a rooted group. And so, Lord, you always have a next step for us. Today, we ask that you would make the next step really obvious in our lives and that we'd be willing to take it. We love you, Lord. We need you, Lord. And we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen.